G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. When do you think Jesus experienced the most pain? An important question. Pastor Greg Laurie. Was it when they put the crown of thorns on his head? I don't think so. Was it when they used the Roman whip on his back? As horrible as that was, I don't think that was it. Was it when they pounded the spike through his hands and his feet? Again, no. As horrible and horrific as all of that was, I don't think that was his most painful moment. I'll tell you what I think his most painful moment was in just a moment. This is the day when the lost are found. we've been studying the rich writings of the Gospel of Mark. Mark weaves together a vivid narrative of the life of Jesus. And certainly the most vivid is his description of the end of Jesus' life and ministry. These events were choreographed by the Father from the beginning of time. But the events were surprising to a first century citizen seeing it in real time. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie presents part two in his message, What the Death of Jesus Means to You. your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 15. The title of my message is, What the Death of Jesus Means to You. Let me start with a question. When do you think Jesus experienced the most pain? Do you think it's when they put the crown of thorns on his head? Do you think it's when he was beaten with a Roman whip, most likely a Roman cat of nine tails? Do you think it's when they drove those nails through his hands and his feet? As horrible and horrific as all of that was, I don't think that was his most painful moment. I'll tell you what I think his most painful moment was, and I'm also gonna talk about the most painful moment in my own life at the end of the message. Mark 15 says in verse 22, they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, that is the place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it, and the soldiers crucified him. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him and a sign announced the charge that was against him. The king of the Jews and the revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Look back at the cross for a moment. Here's Christ hanging on the cross. The crown of thorns is on his head. His back is torn open by the Roman whip. Yet Christ gave seven significant statements from the cross. We have to kind of piece them together from all the gospel to get them in their proper order. So as Jesus is hanging on the cross between two thieves or two other criminals, his first words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
one of the criminals crucified next to him turns to him and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus gives a second statement from the cross when he says to this man, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Standing at the foot of the cross, there stands Mary, the mother of Jesus. Imagine her anguish to look up there and see her beloved son. And Jesus looks down from the cross and he says his third statement from the cross, which is, woman, behold your son. John the apostle was standing nearby and then he says to John, son, behold your mother. In effect, saying to John, take care of my mother for me. Then, presumably, he takes on the sin of the world and gives the fourth statement from Calvary, which is, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Statement number five is, I thirst. Statement number six, it is finished. And the final statement, statement number seven, he says to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let's contemplate for a moment that riveting first statement of Jesus when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's in Luke 23, 34. Jesus is basically saying, Father, forgive them. They need forgiveness so desperately they've committed a sin that is wicked beyond all comprehension. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. And by the way, it's implied in the original language. He said that more than once. So it wasn't just one statement. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But rather, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. Father, forgive them. He was saying it over and over again. Now, initially we know that both thieves joined in the chorus of mockery with the people standing at the foot of the cross who were saying, if he is the Christ, if he is the Son of God, let him come down from that cross. He should save himself. So at the beginning, first Christ is crucified. Everyone's mocking him, including the criminals on each side. Jesus gives statement number one from Calvary. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And one of those thieves comes to his senses and he believes. What woke this man up? Why did he believe so quickly? And by the way, to become a Christian, it doesn't take years. It doesn't take months. It doesn't even take hours. It can happen just like that. It could happen for you at this moment while you're listening to me speak where you suddenly realize all of this is true. Jesus is the Son of God. I can come into a relationship with Him. I can know God in a personal way. That's what happened to that guy. What won him over? What softened his hardened heart? It's when he saw Jesus forgive the men who had done this horrific thing to him. By the way, we don't know that those thieves had been scourged. We don't believe those thieves had crowns of thorns on their heads, uh, but Jesus had all that in addition to the horrors of the crucifixion. And that man believed because he saw this forgiveness in action. Amazing. And then he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is what we call a deathbed conversion. Am I talking to someone on a deathbed right now? Am I talking to someone whose life is coming to an end? Let me say to you, no matter how you've lived, no matter what sins you've committed, God 
could and will forgive you if you will call out to him. Jesus forgave this hardened criminal. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now an ominous moment takes place. This has been described as the crucifixion in the crucifixion. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Suddenly the sun goes dark. It's like an eclipse. And uh, some extra biblical sources suggest there was a universal darkness. This darkness falls on the land. And that darkness is pierced by the voice of Jesus giving this fourth statement from the cross in Mark 15, 33, as darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No fiction writer would ever have his hero make a statement like this. Some people say, oh, the Bible's fiction. It's all made up. No, this is a true story, and this is showing what Christ was experiencing. Now, we know at some moment Jesus bore the sin of the world. The Bible clearly tells us this. When it happened, we can't be exactly sure, but it would seem to me this is the moment when all of the sin of humanity, past, present, and future, is poured upon Christ Thus he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look, Jesus had been forsaken by his disciples. By and large, they had fled. But he always had the Father. The Father was always there with him. Jesus said in John 8, 29, the one who sent me is with me and the Father has not left me alone. Then in John 16, 32, Jesus says, indeed the hour is coming and now has come, and you'll be scattered each to his own, and you will leave me alone, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. But now, at the cross, as the sin of the world is poured upon Jesus, God the Father turns his face away from the Son. Why? Because God in his holiness cannot look at sin. The scripture says of God, he's of pure eyes and to behold evil and cannot look on iniquity. So in effect, the father turns his face away as he pours his wrath on his son. The wrath and anger of God that should have been poured on you and should have been poured on me was poured instead on Jesus. And this was his most painful moment. I raised the question earlier. What was the most painful moment? Was it when they put the crown of thorns on his head? I don't think so. Was it when they used the Roman whip on his back? As horrible as that was, I don't think that was it. Was it when they pounded the spike through his hands and his feet? Again, no. It was when all the sin of the world was placed upon him. Why? Because Jesus had never sinned, ever. Not even one thought out of harmony with the Father. Jesus said, I always do the things that please him. Who could say that but Jesus? And it was true. But here is Jesus now separated in effect from the Father. But listen to this. Jesus was forsaken so I don't have to be. Let me say that again. Jesus was forsaken so I don't have to be. Jesus was forsaken of God so I could be forgiven. Jesus entered the darkness that I might walk in the light. Jesus was forsaken of God for a time that I might enjoy his presence forever. Jesus then gives his fifth statement from Calvary, I thirst. I thirst. This wasn't any normal thirst. He was just dying up there, dehydrated. 
and he cries out, I thirst, bringing us, and by the way, that shows the humanity of Christ. Yes, he was God walking among us, but he was also a man. He felt that pain when they struck him in the face. He felt that pain of the crown of thorns. He felt that pain as they tore his back open and when they nailed him to the cross. And he felt the pain of separation from the Father. Now statement number six. It is finished. Jesus was 33 when he died. At the age of 33, most people are saying, it is beginning. But Jesus was saying, it is finished. But he did not say, I am finished. This is not the shout of a victim. This is a shout of a victor overcoming his enemies. In the Greek, it's one word. It is finished is one word in the Greek, tetelestai. It's a word that meant it's finished. It stands finished. And it will always be finished. And by the way, he cried out with a loud voice. He didn't just say, tetelestai. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished, it's completed, it's done. The war is over. A new covenant now has been established with God and man. And I think what I call the battle cry of the cross reverberated through the hallways of heaven as well as the hallways of hell. The mission had been accomplished. The job had been completed. The death of Jesus satisfied the righteous demands of the Father. Now the final statement of Christ from the cross. He says to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So the question is raised earlier. Why did Jesus die for us on the cross? What does the death of Jesus mean to you? Answer, it means everything. He did this for you because he loves you and he wants you to come into a relationship with the Father. The beginning of the message, I, I said I was going to tell you what I believe God's most painful moment was. And I also mentioned I wanted to tell you what my most painful moment was. And if you know me, you already know what I'll say. But if you don't, the most painful moment of my life happened in 2008 when my son Christopher died in a tragic automobile accident at the age of 33. It was the darkest moment of my life. And I called out to God. And you know, God knows what it's like to lose a son, doesn't he? But I, I don't think it's really accurate to say I've lost my son because I know where he is. I know he's in heaven. I know that I will see him again. And why will I see him again? Because of what Jesus did for me on the cross and Jesus did for me rising again from the dead. This is the hope that I have. Now, some might think the cross was an aberration. It was a mistake. It was a tragic turn of events. But actually, it was all part of the plan of God. As I already said, God was the master of ceremonies at the cross. Isaiah 53.10 says, It was the will of the Lord to crush him and to put him to grief. And Romans 8.32, God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And then Isaiah 53 says, it pleased the Father to bruise him. How could it possibly please the Father to bruise his son? How could it possibly be something that had any merit or good in it? Here's the simple answer. Because of what it accomplished. God the Father was not pleased by the suffering of his son and the anguish of his son. He was pleased that his son was able to purchase 
eternal life for all of humanity. This is the most evil act ever perpetrated by sinful hearts. The sinless Son of God tortured, slaughtered, and heartlessly murdered in cold blood. Yet from this horrible event came the greatest good of all time, the salvation of countless souls, your salvation and mine. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. And because of his death, we can live. Jesus was born to die that we might live. What an amazing event it was. And now this same Jesus who hung on that cross and died for your sins, rose from the dead, and now he stands at the door of your life and he knocks. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody watching this right now. If they don't have a relationship with you, if they don't know you in a personal way, let this be the moment that they believe. We commit them to you now. Bring them to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. important prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie. And as you've listened today, maybe you've felt the need to make a change in your relationship with the Lord. If that's you, Pastor Greg would love to help you right now. As you've been listening to this today, maybe you've heard another voice. By that I mean, yeah, you heard me say a few things, but you heard God's voice speak to you deep in the recesses of your heart. And it suddenly dawned on you, This is what I need, or to state it more accurately, this is who I need. I need Jesus, and I want Jesus, but maybe you don't know how to make that connection. Let me help you. Pray this after me right now if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sin, and I need your forgiveness right now. Would you come into my heart and my life? as Savior, as God, as friend. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and accepting me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I know that was a relatively short prayer. Maybe you felt something as you prayed it. Maybe you felt nothing. That doesn't really matter because God's word says, These things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say, so you may think you have it or you may hope you have it if God's in a good mood. No, that you can know it. And I want you to know, if you pray that prayer in a minute, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into your life. So congratulations. You're now a Christian. Now continue to follow the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Greg. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time and made a decision for the Lord, we'd love to help you get started in your new relationship with God. We'd love to send you some resource materials. Ask for our New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. The team would also love to pray with you. That's 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. Well, next time on A New Beginning... Pastor Greg has important insights on the Lord's resurrection and how it impacts on our lives today. Make sure you join us next time, right here on A New Beginning.
Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called What the Death of Jesus Means to You. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.